Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. I am your host, Ian Altman. On this episode, have you ever felt like you just kind of got stuck where you didn't know what the next move should be, where you should take things from there, and you kind of get paralyzed? Well, that's something that we've all gone through. And it's something that I hear a lot from people. Many of the people in our audience will say, well, what do I do when this happens and I don't know what to do next? And rather than me try and make up an answer, I thought, you know what, we should have someone on who's an expert about this. And Kara Brookins is amazing. Her story, if you don't already know it, which I'm sure you could look up, is that when her children were very little, she was in a situation that wasn't a good situation and said, you know what, my solution is I'm going to build a house. Now, she had never built anything more than a bookcase before then. And guess what? She built a house. And when I bring her on screen, you're going to see kind of what the inside of the house looks like. So if you're thinking someone's never built a house, what it might look like, this is not it because it's absolutely amazing. And she has a new book called Unstuck. And it's all about what causes us to get stuck and how do we get unstuck to move forward and achieve remarkable things like she has. So she's also one of the nicest human beings I know. So let me welcome her on. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. It's great to be here. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So unstuck. So what is it that gets us stuck? Because I know I've certainly been in that situation where I feel stuck and then I do nothing during that day. I keep I keep trying to think about, well, how come I can't get past this? And when I wake up the next day, it's still there and I haven't done anything. So what what causes that to happen? Oh, absolutely. We've all been there. We've all felt that paralysis, you know, and, and it's not always obvious what brings it on, what brings it on, whether it's, it's fear, uncertainty, overwhelm, there are so many reasons we get there. Um, and in order to become an expert on getting unstuck, I had to first become an expert on being stuck. <laughs> and the, what I found is the natural inclination is to do one of two things. Either we become way too general about our solution. I'm stuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I know. I'll do better. I'll do better at, well, all the things. And then my life will be better. So when we're too general like that, nothing specific changes. So nothing specific gets any better. And the, uh, the flip side, the other thing we do is we get way too specific with, I know I'm going to set this goal, whatever it is, I'm going to build a house, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do this massive thing that will change my business, and I better start planning. And then six weeks later, six months later, six years later, we are still planning this thing we're going to do to get unstuck. And we fool ourselves into thinking just the mental work of that is getting us somewhere when it isn't. So so it's those, it's those two areas. One, one is that we get too, too general. Like I see people in sales, like sales leaders will tell their team, well, you need to sell more. As, as, as if the rep was thinking, oh, that's the uh, man. If I had thought of just selling more, wow, that's it. I'm so glad you helped me with that. Or it's like, hey, you need to make more phone calls. It's like, well, okay, well, that's really specific, but I don't think that's really the key to it. So when when people fall into that, I know that for me, I get in that element of frustration where it's like now it just becomes I almost don't want to focus on it at all. 
But of course, it's still there the next day. Next thing you know, you're waking up at three in the morning thinking about those things. So what are some of the steps? And I know that in Unstuck, you lay out a very specific process of how people can do that. And as I was reading it, it was, I will tell you that it's fun to read. It's like, you know, you, you pick it up and it's enjoyable and the stories are great, but the concrete examples are really fantastic. So what are some of the things that people should think about if they want to get unstuck? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I wrote fiction first. So a big part of the way that I do anything is storytelling. So that's a big part of unstuck. And, you know, for me, and I think for all of us, the the big move that we have to make is something concrete. And I know that sounds easy. And a lot of times that, you know, we think, oh, I already know what I want to do. I already know what my goal is. But often it isn't specific enough. You know, for my kids and I, when I was in a bad situation and I knew, you know, the thing we really needed was a safe place to live, a place that we could feel proud of. It would have been really easy to say, oh, I, I need a house and to go about that in the, the more traditional way of, of buying a house. But I got very specific of what house do I want? I need to be able to see it in my head. I need to be able to see it that so clearly that I can feel like I have walked through it. And that house I wanted was not a house I could afford, um, you know, in the traditional sense of go borrowing the money and, and buying the house. So I could have lowered my standards and said, well, I can't afford that house. Let me see, you know, what can I borrow? What can I buy? And, and settle for that. I have a house. It's safe. But if you set those big, specific, clear goals that you want so badly, you can taste them. Those are the kind of goals that really settle in and self-motivate you. They pull you forward. They get you unstuck. And in order to achieve them, a lot of times you have to do something untraditional, which is, is where that house project went for me. I could afford that house if I only had to buy the supplies and then just put it together myself. So I do have that house today. It's a 3,500 square foot house, five bedrooms, two story, big library, sitting in the library today and I got there in that unconventional way and if I had planned to build which is what people expect to see some little cabin some small hut some small two-bedroom house and stack my kids up there's no way I could have stayed motivated through the really tough times when the picture at the end that end goal was something small you know something that really didn't didn't make me hungry for it that hunger becomes your motivation I love that. And the and this and the story, and I and I know this, I know the story of the house is you learned how to build the house watching YouTube videos. And for and 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 once again, it's a 3,500 square foot home. You, you can see the back in the in the background, the library. It's not like, you know, here's something you put together with spit and chewing gum. It's it's a solid, like estate type home. And so, and I love in the book, you talk about different examples of YouTube and just different, different things like that. So talk a little bit about different places where people can start and things they can do to get unstuck with anything. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in your case, a house. It doesn't have to be someone who's trying to sell something. It could be someone who's making a career move. It could be somebody who's trying to figure out how to take a different approach with their clients. I think there's a lot of value that you provide in the book about different directions that people should go. 
you know, when I when I first felt stuck before we built the house, I didn't know how to self-motivate. I didn't know I was stuck for months and months. And I kept looking for that thing that would pull me up and move me. And ironically, this was in, you know, 2007, YouTube was a brand new thing. I was a software developer, nothing in the housing industry. I was writing computer code every day. You know, so using technology and using things like YouTube was very comfortable for me to learn things. And, you know, I found this video on YouTube and it it was about baking cake. It was not about building a house. But what I noticed about the video was a short little video and I'm halfway through it and I am just itching to get up and do this. And it was this idea from those how-to videos that these videos weren't just showing me how to do a thing. They were getting me to do a thing. So they were motivating me. They were pulling me up to do something. And I thought, you know, if if a how-to video can figure out how to use my psychology, can figure out how to use the way my brain works to get me to do something, then I can learn how to unpack the steps that that video used and then use those steps to self-motivate. So that's kind of what where that book came from. But when it came to using those videos to build a house, um, it was in a very primitive sense compared to how we use them today. Because 2007, I mean, I had a Blackberry that didn't have a camera on it. You know, Um, we had this huge family computer we all shared at home in the den, you know, and that's where we had to watch how to videos, not on site, not with the, you know, gas lines in my hand trying to figure how, how to hook them up. I had to go home, watch the video, how do you run your own gas lines without blowing up? And then like write on post-it notes and draw pictures of how to do that and come out to the construction site. So um, it was a very primitive sense of using how-to videos compared to today, but it really changed everything the way that I was able to be motivated by those videos and then learn how to use that in my own life. Sure. So, so, and, and, and I, I love those examples because it's, it's tangible and it's concrete. It's like, well, how do you take the first step? Well, okay. So when you're building a house, what do you need to do? Well, first you need to, you know, you need to deal with the ground and the foundation because you can't build anything without that. So how do you do that? And like, how do you, how do you lay cinder blocks so that they don't fall over? And, and, and I love, cause I, I, I've seen, pictures of you with like young children where the cinder block probably weighs as much as they do. Yes. I had a two-year-old on the construction site. You know, when we built the house, the kids were 17, 15, 11, and two. So there was a toddler out here just trying to get him to keep his clothes on was the biggest challenge. But yeah. And, and it was very much that figure it out mentality. And that is another thing that I learned from programming first, you know, when you're writing software, you don't have to know how to write everything that, you know, a piece of software can do in order to start writing it. You learn how to write by saying, hello world, and you write the hello world. Now, what happens if I add a button to this form? How do I get something to happen? And so that was very much a mentality that I had just from the tech world coming into this. And then, you know, that was furthered by watching the structure of these how-to videos where I noticed okay, you know, when at the moment of the video that I want to get up and try this thing, I only know like two steps of it, right? I I don't know how to do step seven, step 507. The only thing I know is I have to get out some eggs and some flour. Well, I can do that. Yeah. 
And so that became this method that I would use when I felt paralyzed by something, when I felt that, you know, fight, flight, or freeze set in, and I don't know how to do this thing, you know, whether it was getting up on a stage and speaking for the first time. I didn't know how to do that, but I could figure out one small step toward doing that. And I could give myself, I could cheat by giving myself an easy step, you know, write, write five lines of a speech and memorize it. Well, I can do that. And that builds the confidence. And that turns you in from a person who might want to speak one day into a person who's already started a speaking career, you know, build the website, wear the t-shirt. Um, and it, it became that sort of um, cheat that I had, this little hack that I had in order to, and according to psychology, it actually changes the location in your brain where that information is stored once you make that transition from, hmm, I might want to write a book today, you know, one day, to I have written the first line of my book today. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's, I think it's so valuable for people to understand it's where you start. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a family member who was saying, well, my boss won't let me call on every account because I might run into accounts they already have, but they don't want to share and disclose which, which accounts there are. So there's nothing I can do. And I said, okay, what if you reached out to your boss and said, Hey, how about the two of us identify 10 accounts that you're comfortable with me pursuing? So instead of well, they won't let me do it the way that I envision doing it. Instead, we want to think about, well, how could we do it? How could we do it in a way that's going to work for them and for me where I can still accomplish this? And as I explained to them, I said, look, if you if you identify 10 accounts that you can pursue and then you have success with those, your boss is probably at that point going to say, OK, here's all the stuff I didn't want to share with you. Go ahead and go do the rest. But it's that initial step that sounds like is kind of the key to going from being stuck to being unstuck. If you wanna get top results for your team, take a look at the Same Side Selling Academy. Just visit samesideselling.com to learn more. Absolutely, and and that happens so many times. It's not just the first step. It's not just, oh, I don't know where to start. Like, you know, it's the first step after lunch, you know, <laughs> or it's the first step of a new day um, or the first step of a new part of a project. And there are so many different ways that we can slightly change our perspective like you did with that client. Okay, there is a way. Let's pull back and find what is a way that we can look at this and identify something that is a place where we can move forward. And we developed as a family all these weird little tricks that we would use to change that perspective. And one of them that we used a lot was saying, what if you're the last person on earth? If you were the last person on earth and you had to figure out how to frame a window in order to survive, could you do it? Well, of course you can. So what's the first thing you'd do? Well, I'd get a piece of wood and I'd, you know, and I'd try to cut this angle. You know, and then and then we'd go through it. And surprisingly enough, when you do that and you do that, just slight change, and it can be a little bit silly like that. It's a slight change of perspective that you look at it in a new way, a way that kind of lightens the weight of how heavy and important framing that window felt. And, you know, minimize the errors because I mean, while we did eventually do everything right, we only did it right after we had done it you know, all the other ways first. There were many mistakes. You know, there were many times that we framed, well, the first window we framed, I'm sitting right in front of now, 
And I remember my kids and I laying all of this wood out. We had our little post-it notes of how we had seen people frame windows. And there were like eight different ways. And, you know, we're looking at these and the kids are terrified and they're drawing pictures in the sawdust with their toes and no one wants to make a move. And one of the other tricks I would use with the kids is just to say, okay, if we frame this window and we get it wrong, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, the first couple of times I said that, they would panic and be like, oh, you know, the whole house will fall down or an airplane engine will fall out of the sky or, you know, you could cut your arm off. There are all the things that could go wrong. And then we got down to like, okay, what's the most likely thing that would happen by framing this window and doing something wrong? And every time the answer is, well, we'd have to take it apart and do it over. I can live with that. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is which is the, which is the exact same story of the original contractor when we did our renovation years ago, where it's just, you know, and this is someone who was supposed to be a professional and they would do stuff and then it wasn't right. And I guess the worst thing in their case would be, well, we lose the job and then the Altmans have to go find another contractor, which was a whole nother issue. But I think it prompted an article I wrote, and I think it was in Inc. at the time that said, nightmare home renovation, what HGTV doesn't tell you. So oh, no. it, was, it was it was quite an adventure. Unfortunately, I, I understood enough about construction at the time that I could look and say, this isn't right. I remember having this discussion with the contractor at the time, and the contractor was very upset with me because he said, Well, well, I came in, the framing guy said that you told them to that that you know to do this this way instead of that way. I said, I said, Yeah, that's correct. Well, you can't tell him. I said, Okay, do you want to know why I told them? Well, what do you mean? Okay, well. So they were putting a wall up where there's supposed to be a door. And I thought that instead of having them put the wall up and then you having to rip it out, that I might save you a little bit of trouble and actually refer to the blueprints and show them that there was actually a door there, not to frame an entire wall there. Oh. And it was like, oh, to which then I said, and if you were here, you would have known that, but you weren't here. So, but but I digress. So so when it when it comes when it comes to people who are stuck, let's let's say it's it's you know there's a sales rep who's got a new territory, and they say, well, I don't know who to call, I don't know what to do, and it's easy to get stuck. What are two or three steps? And I know that you you lay out a specific plan in the book, but what are some things that they should think about in terms of, hey, here's a good place to start. And if you do that, things are going to be okay. And and I know a lot of it comes down to what's the first step, but, and and you can walk me through it as if I'm them or ask questions, whatever. I just want people to understand because when I read the book, I was like, wow, there's some great stuff that can really help people put ideas into action. Well, the first step isn't making the first call. It is setting the goal. Always, always, always. What is my target? And something that is big enough that it will motivate you to make that first call. So it's always, you know, in in the case of the house, it was the kids and I being able to see that finished house and know exactly what we were shooting for so that we would get out here and do the work. So, you know, in that case, it is how many calls do I want to make? How many successful sales do I want to have a month? And what is the estimated number of calls I need to make to get that? Okay, now down to today. How many calls in order to hit that goal do I have to make today? Now the heat's on. 
And then you can figure out the rest. Okay, if I want them to be successful calls, I'm going to have to narrow that down even further. And you really get the plan laid out. But you have to have that thing you're shooting for. And it can't be, you know, like we already talked about, I want to do more. I want to do better. I want to sell a lot. Um, It has to be very specific numbers. How much money do you want to make? How many people do you want to influence? What, you know, how much do you want to grow your territory? It has to be that very specific. And then every day you wake up and you don't start with who am I calling today? You wake up with what was that big goal? You have to go all the way back to the beginning. What's that going to look like? What's it going to feel like? What's my bank account balance going to be? You know, write yourself the check have the check up there on your cork board, tape it to your computer monitor. This is the goal I'm going to hit in this quarter, in, in this year, in this job, and and then start working toward it. It becomes a whole lot easier than to narrow it down to the small plan. You yeah. know, and of course, there and, and go into it knowing I don't have to know how I'm going to get to that number. I don't have to spend the next six weeks planning that number. Um, now that I have it in the pipeline, I know that's my goal and I'm going to start making these calls. You'll figure out the details as you go um, and do it real time. Make some mistakes. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. One of, one of the things that I, I advise people to do is I say, look, if you want to grow by, let's say, $2 million, you're going to grow your business by $2 million. What does that look like? Is it one $2 million account? Is it 10 $200,000 accounts? What's kind of the general mix of what you think it is? Now, once you get into it, you can make adjustments. Mm-hmm. But if you know, well, gee, I need ten two hundred thousand dollars accounts. Excuse me. Then, if you're talking to people who are five thousand dollars accounts, you're not going to hit your goal. Like that's not going to get you there. Now, the reality is that for most businesses, they look and say, "Well, I need so many of this type of account and so many of that type of account and this and that." And here's kind of the mix that's going to get me there. But once you have that then it gets back to your advice of, okay, so if you're going to achieve that, where does it, where do you start? Well, I start here and here's the way I track it. And guess what? What if it's not successful? Well, then I take a different path. Then I figure out where I need to make adjustments instead of, well, that's probably not going to work. Okay. So is your answer to do nothing then? I don't think that's a good option. And I think that's where I see a lot of people get stuck is they're so afraid that they're going to fail that they never try. Well, and and to your point, they they make all of those adjustments in their head before they even start. So let's work out our twenty five different possible scenarios of all the way we could, you know, ways we could come down to get the sum that we want to have at the end of the quarter. And now let's work out twenty five other different ways. And if this doesn't work, that might work. And make the first call. See how that one goes. And if that's successful, you already have a better idea which one of those is going to work. And two weeks from now, maybe you need to revisit and adjust. But you can do that in real time with real data and real experience and see what do I need to adjust? Do I really need to adjust my numbers and my targets? Or do I need to adjust the way that I'm approaching this type of account or that type of account? And you can try a couple of those things in real time. Will you have some failure? Absolutely. But you know, if you never made that first step, you were already failing. You know, you were already living your worst case scenario in that you were selling zero. I love it. All right. I'm going to take a shot at recapping the key stuff that I think people can take away and use. And then I'll give you opportunity for rebuttal to uh, to, to fill in the blanks of, of, of what I may have missed. So 
a few things that stood out for me is one, visualize what your goal is and what your what your end result is. So it's not some amorphous thing. It's not, oh, I want to do better. It's, well, when you do better, when you're successful achieving that goal, what's the outcome look like for you, your family, people you care about, et cetera? I love how you mentioned you don't need to lower your standards. So oftentimes it's a matter of, well, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it this way. Okay, but if you figured it out, then you can achieve that higher goal. Identify the first couple of steps, because what I heard is it's not just what's the first step, but what are the first couple of steps? So you don't get to the first step and then say, now what do I do? You've thought a little bit down the road, but you haven't gone from A to Z. You've just, maybe you went from A to C. You know, eventually you have to get to Z, but you'll figure out Z as you go along. We don't need to map out everything. Um, we want to transform from I can't do this to how can we? And that notion of what's the worst thing that can happen and how do we, in essence, mitigate those risks? So that way you're not afraid to take that step. And then setting goals is a fundamental way for us to motivate ourselves so that we're not going after something that's amorphous, but instead something very specific that could be rewarding for us. What did I miss? Well, spot on. First of all, the only adjustment that I would say is when you do say, I can't do this, add the word yet. I love it. Just mentally, I can't do this yet. And that gives you a place to go. You know, I'm about to figure it out. Whether you have to look it up on YouTube or TikTok or whether you just have to get your hands dirty, get elbow deep in it and figure it out. I can't do this yet, but give me a minute. I'm going to figure it out. I, I love that. I love that. It's just, it's a great way to think about it. Cause I very often hear from people, well, I can't do this. And I think, well, sure you can. And the reality is just that little thing of yet, because I say they can and they're like, no, I really can't. But if we just pivot that to, well, you can't yet, then all of a sudden it, um, it gets there. I think I remember seeing that in, uh, in the movie, the blind side where he says, I, you know, I can't do this. And she says, you can't do it yet. And it's like, you know, it made me think of that scene. So, so Kara, the book is Unstuck, the ancient ancient psychology behind how-to videos. I, lo I love that part of it. What's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you to learn more about what you're doing? Everything is my name in the socials and my website. So it's karabrookins.com and Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, wherever you are, I am there too outstanding. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. I love the book. I encourage people to go out and get it unstuck and follow Kara wherever she posts stuff because she's always got amazing wisdom. And like I said, one of the nicest people on the planet, which is just an added bonus. So Kara, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Ian.